If you want to follow this message in your Bible, you might like to turn to the book of Ecclesiastes and chapter 3. Of course, this is First Fruits Weekend, and I want to continue the Courageous Love series. And can I say, when it comes to teaching on giving, generosity, money, and when it comes to each and every one of us actually stepping out in faith and giving outrageously and generously, uh, we've got to understand that we're doing battle with one of the strongest spirits, and that's the spirit of mammon. I touched on it in the offering teaching last weekend. It goes way back to the beginning of time and uh, the conversation that the serpent had with Eve in Genesis chapter 3. Remember, Eve and Adam, they had everything. They had all the trees of the garden. They had freedom. They had innocence. They had everything provided. And the serpent comes along and in this insidious whisper says, but what you've got is not enough. And that snake bite, that venom, if you like, went into the human race. And it doesn't matter how much you have, most of us feel like we could just do with a little bit more. What you have is not enough enough. Mammon literally is the treasure a person trusts in. So I just wanted to make you aware of that today and I'm going to share some things with you about how you can uh, overcome the snake bite. Uh, It's kind of like a a spiritual um, anti-venom, so to speak. So this is the Courageous Life series or Courageous Love series and today I want to talk about Courageous in Life's Seasons. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 to 11, which is a magnificent poem. It's it's known as a poem of polarities because um, all the way through, two things are listed at a time and they are polar opposites, but together they describe the various seasons that all of us go through during our lives. And so Ecclesiastes 3.1, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And I love that verse there where it says a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. That's the season we're in at the moment And I know it's hard for some of us, including myself, I'm a huggy guy. I often say, you know, I hug anything that moves. And if it doesn't move, I'll hug it till it does. And I know that some of you, you don't like hugs and that's fine. But, you know, at the moment, it's hard for those of us uh, who want to have a hug. But to love our neighbour as ourself during this time, it's a season or a time when we refrain from embracing. Then if you go down to verse 11, God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning. A season for every activity 
under heaven. In other words, everyone experiences a mixture of seasons in life. We go through tough times, we go through easy times, we go through prosperous times, we go through lean times, and then there are those transitional seasons as well, like spring is the transition from winter into summer, and uh, autumn is the transition from summer into winter. There are transitional seasons for us in life as well, and we need to learn how to respond to these various seasons in life. So how can we be courageous in life's seasons? I'm going to share three ways with you quickly during this message. The first of them is courageous contentment. Now, remember what I said earlier about the snake bite uh, in Genesis 3. The, the venom was this, what you have is not enough. But contentment says, what I have is enough. No matter what season you're in, learn to be content. It's something I've had to learn. I mean, I was raised in Perth in Western Australia. And uh, then when I was 18, I moved to Geraldton, which is about 400K north of Perth on the coast. Both Perth and Geraldton are beautiful Mediterranean climates, warm most of the time, and I'm a warm weather guy, right? And then I go to Bible College, which is in the Blue Mountains in Katoomba, where I was wearing all my winter clothes in the summer. It snowed in November. It's so cold. And there in Bible College, I prayed, God, send me to a warmer climate. And he did, Melbourne. I learned there to be specific in prayer. What I should have said is God send me to a much warmer climate, uh, not just kind of like two degrees warmer. Now, don't get me wrong. I love this city and I've lived here for over 30 years now and I absolutely love Melbourne. But I've got to tell you, it took me a few years to get used to the weather in Melbourne, the four seasons in a day and, and particularly the cold, dark, drizzly winter's days. And so there were a number of years where I've got to say I was fairly discontent in the season of winter in Melbourne. And then I was really challenged through the Word of God. And I, I thought, okay, I've got to learn contentment here. And we'll get to that verse in just a moment. I've got to learn contentment. And to help me with that process, I wrote a list out of all the things that I love about the colder season in Melbourne. And so here's part of my list that I wrote. Um, I sleep better when the weather is colder, and so I feel more refreshed. Um, I like the clothes that we get to wear. We get to layer our clothes and put a scarf on, maybe a beanie particularly, uh, seeing as I don't have anything else on my head to keep my head warm in the winter. I love warm or hot soup with warm, crusty bread and the butter kind of all melting through it. How about log fires? How magnificent is it to sit in front of a log fire? Easy peel oranges. Now, they live up to their name. Easy peel oranges are really easy to peel. They come out in July, August. They're absolutely stunning, so quick to peel and really, really juicy. Look out for those. They're yummy. Mandarins, of course, you only get in the winter as well. Other thing I love about winter is there aren't mosquitoes, other flying insects, and lots of spiders. How about those cold, crisp winters mornings when the sun is out. We've had some of those during the week. Absolutely stunning. And uh, the other thing I love about the colder weather is that it really makes me appreciate the warmer months more because we've got a contrast between cold and hot, uh, between cool and warm. Remember a discussion I had with Andrew Chan many years ago in Karabakan. Of course, in Bali, it's only and always ever hot. It's either hot and dry or hot and wet. 
And he said to me one day, he said, Rob, I really, really miss my cooler weather. But he had to learn to be content in 10 years of heat and humidity in Karabakan prison. A couple of thousand years ago, there was another guy in prison, uh, the Apostle Paul. The year was around 58, 59 AD, first century. Paul was enduring his first of three imprisonments. This was in Caesar's palace in uh, Caesarea. And Paul is writing a number of letters to some of the churches. They're known as the prison epistles. Um, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. He wrote from from prison. And uh, Philippians is all about joy. Can you imagine that? He's in this horrible prison and he's writing about joy. And in chapter 4, verse 10, he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need. And then look at this. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances, whatever the seasons. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I have learned the secret of being content in all the seasons of life. And he only learned it by going through it, the experience. What season of life are you in right now? Is it a prosperous season? Is it a, is it a difficult time, a time of lack and a time of need? Can I encourage you, be courageously content in this season of life, however things are for you. Are we able to show courageous contentment whatever season of life we find ourselves in? Secondly, courageous wisdom. Now, referring back to that snake bite in Genesis 3, remember, what you have is not enough. That's what the serpent was saying to Eve. Wisdom says, what I do will make sure there is enough. In other words, wisdom prepares in the seasons of plenty for the times of loss or little. I think one of the most amazing examples of this in Scripture is the story of Joseph, Genesis chapter 41. Have a read of it this week. Uh, Pharaoh has a dream of seven fat, prosperous cows. They come out of the Nile and they stand on the bank and then seven lean, gaunt cows come out of the Nile and stand next to the fat, prosperous ones and, and the lean ones eat the fat ones. And then he sees seven heads of grain, beautiful and rich and and full of fruit. And then the lean seven heads of grain come up and devour the prosperous ones. No one can interpret this dream. And then the cupbearer remembers that when he was in prison, he met this guy called Joseph two years earlier uh, who was able to interpret dreams. And so the cupbearer tells Pharaoh and Pharaoh sends for Joseph and Joseph comes from the dungeon. Uh, Remember, he'd been in prison for the best part of 13 years at this particular point in time. And uh, Joseph hears Pharaoh's dream and is able to interpret it. He says, there's going to be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. And Pharaoh says to Joseph, what should I do? And so Joseph comes up with this amazing plan full of wisdom. He says, during the seven years... Uh, of, of plenty, 
Um, put a fifth of all of the grain, a fifth of all of the food, put it aside, store it safely, so that when we get into famine, there will be enough. And there was. Uh, this event is recorded by history, actually. It was about 12 to 1300 years uh, before Jesus. And uh, the time that the Bronze Age was coming to a close, and this famine is reported throughout Egypt and uh, much of the Levant, uh, the Middle Eastern area. And uh, so as a result of wisdom and storing food during those seven years, they had enough for when there was famine. Now remember, as I said before, Joseph, he was sold into slavery when he was 17. He was wrongly accused by his master's wife of committing adultery with her. Potiphar, his master, uh, threw Joseph into prison and, and then he was forgotten he even said to the cupbearer, remember me when, when you go back to Pharaoh. And the cupbearer forgot for two more years, 13 years all up, what must have been going through Joseph's head through this horrible season from age 17 to age 30. And then suddenly he is promoted to basically become prime minister of Egypt and to lead that nation uh, under Pharaoh's authority. Incredible, incredible story of courageous wisdom. The biblical system of tithing has to do with courageous wisdom as well. In the Hebrew scriptures, there are actually three tithes, the Lord's tithe, the family tithe, and the poor tithe. So the Lord's tithe is under the old covenant, 10% of all of the income that was brought by the people for the support of the temple. In the new covenant or New Testament church, we bring 10% of our gross income and we give it for the health and vibrancy of the local church that we are part of. The family tithe was the next 10%. So Lord's tithe, 10% of everything. Uh, next 10%, so 10% of the 90%, if you like, was the family tithe that people were encouraged to put aside. So with courageous wisdom, so they had something. If times went lean, they had something to live on. I was doing some shopping the other day at a local supermarket and I bumped into a couple from Bayside Church and uh, I stopped and chatted with them, socially distancing, of course. And uh, I said, asked them how they were going and everything and uh, uh, neither of them were working. And I said, well, are you guys doing okay? Is it, can we help you with food or anything? And they said, no, 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 we're doing fine because we've been putting money aside and at the moment we're able to live on our savings. See, that is courageous wisdom. And then the third one is the poor tithe and the poor tithe was every third family tithe that was taken and given to the poor. And so the tithing system went something like this. Uh, month one, 10% uh, the Lord's tithe, 10% uh, the family tithe. Month two, 10% the Lord's tithe, 10% the family tithe. Month three, 10% the Lord's tithe, 10% the poor tithe. And, and then it would repeat in that three monthly cycle. If you look at that, you are caring for Jesus and others and yourself. J-O-Y, joy. That's what comes from courageous wisdom. I had a phone call from a guy in our church last week and uh, he rang me, he said, look, I just want to chat with you. He's uh, one of our connect leaders in the church, wonderful guy. And uh, so I just want to talk to you about the church's finances. And uh, he'd heard me mention on Bayside Church Online that we had received a, um, a decrease in the income 
that we've been receiving through tithes and offerings as a church. And that's fairly well the pattern right throughout Australia and the Western world at the moment during this COVID crisis. And he said to me, he said, well, he said, I've been completely untouched by this, my wife and I, uh, we've been completely untouched. And so he said, I actually want to know what can I do to make a difference for our church at this time? And so we had a chat about it and I suggested three things. And I said, number one is, why don't you participate in first fruits? Number two, if you want to minimise tax for either for yourself or for a business, then you could make a donation to the Bayside Foundation before the end of June and uh, then you get a tax deductible receipt as well. And then the other thing, the third thing you could do is add something to your regular giving. So uh, he took that away and he came back to me a few days later and he said, yep, we're going to do that. He said, we're committing to First Fruits. He said, we're going to give um, a week's income in First Fruits this weekend. Uh, he said, we'll make a donation to the Bayside Foundation too. And then thirdly, he said, we're going to add $100 a week to our tithe every week for the next 12 months. Isn't that wonderful? So he's going to share that with other people and I'm sharing it with you. Maybe you want to pray into that as well. We're going to be giving our first fruits this weekend. Maybe you want to make a donation either personally or from a business to minimise your tax this year. You can do that to the Bayside Foundation via Pushpay or the website anytime uh, up to the end of June and we'll issue you with a tax deductible receipt so you can minimise your tax. And then maybe you want to pray about adding something to your regular tithe or your regular giving at Bayside over the next 12 months just to bring us through this season. That's what courageous wisdom is all about. It says, what I do will make sure there is enough. Chatting with this guy, he said, I want to make sure that our church remains strong and healthy and vibrant. Isn't that great? I love that. Thirdly and finally is courageous faith. Back to the snake bite. What you have is not enough. Faith says, I believe in a God who is more than enough. He is the God who provides manna in the desert. He provides water from the rock. He's the one who makes sure that the widow's oil doesn't run out. He commanded the ravens to feed Elijah. He turned water into the very best wine at a wedding. And Jesus fed around 25,000 people with five loaves and two fish. I believe in a God who is more than enough. How about you? I love the story of Desert Pete. There was a guy who was wandering through the desert and he was dying from thirst and it was very hot and dry. And as he's walking through the desert, he stumbled across a water pump. And next to the water pump, there was a jar and a note. Inside the jar, there was some water. And then he read the note and it was from this guy called Desert Pete. And Desert Pete basically said, whatever you do, don't drink the water that's in the jar. You need to pour the water into the pump to prime the pump. Now, right there, this guy had a decision to make because there was no guarantee that that pump was still working or that there was any water to, to pump up. Or he had water in that jar and he could consume that or he could have courageous faith and pour that water into the pump to prime it with the hope that there would be an abundance of water. Well, I think he chose wisely and he poured the water into the pump. And there was a poem uh, written about it that I, that I just love because it, it beautifully portrays uh, the wonderful outcome of this story. Well, I found that jar, 
And I'll tell you, nothing was ever prettier to my eye. And I was tempted strong to drink it because that pump looked mighty dry. But the note went on, have faith, my friend. There's water down below. You've got to give until you get. I'm the one who ought to know. So I poured in the jar and I started pumping and I heard a beautiful sound of water bubbling and splashing up out of that hole in the ground. I took off my shoes and I drank my fill of that cool, refreshing treat. I thank the Lord and I thank the pump and I thank old Desert Pete. There we go. First fruits is a great time to prime the pump, to believe for miracles, to exercise courageous faith in a God who is more than enough.